What's going on everybody? Welcome back to the long-awaited return of the Devil's Advocates podcast. I'm your host today, alongside my friends Jake and BP. Guys, it's been a minute. What's going on? Hey yo. <laughs> That's it. What a what a what a long response. We took all this time away and your your big reveal of what you've done in this time is Ayo. That's what he took. I <laughs> I post something every single morning with updates, so I've oh, always true. been here. You guys have disappeared. Yeah, Jake's been carrying the carrying the load the past couple months. Uh, the reason for a little bit of a lull is because you know life gets in the way. Everyone's got their own thing going on, but now's the best it's time. The season, baby. Regular season's Let's back. Go, baby, tomorrow get first game start. Not that important. Uh, real game start on Thursday. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, but we want to start off. I guess we can just run through preseason really quickly. Breathe and full, um, undefeated. I don't know if we've ever done that before. I, I don't know. So. We have, but it's been five years since someone has done it in the NHL. And the last time it happened, uh, didn't work out so great for that team. Yeah, kind of. That was the uh, the infamous Colorado like fifty five point season or whatever it was. I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they I were think... awful. I think they got Makar out of it, so they're probably not complaining too much. No. Yeah, and I mean, with preseason, it's just like you see it in the NFL too, where it's like teams that do really well in the preseason. It's usually because you know the depth of the prospects are what's shining through there, um, and so a lot of teams can do really well in the preseason, and then when it gets to the regular season, and it's not just the prospect challenge anymore, they you know don't do as well. But I think that's kind of I mean, not, not even kind of, it's very much so not the case for the Devils. No. And it's kind of insane that we are kind of this cup contender, I'll say it already, um, looking team, and we have the prospect, you know, depth that would lead to an undefeated preseason. So I think we're going to be the anomaly here. Uh, I think that doesn't indicate our regular season at all with the other teams that may have uh, not done so well after coming out in the preseason like that. I think we're just firing on all cylinders. The prospects are good. The main guys are good. I think we're ready to go. Jake, what were you? You kept the tweet and just typed in the chat. So it was like 105-0-0. Yeah, I said it since first preseason game. Uh, we won that one. I was like, well, that's all I need to see. We're going to go 105-0-0. So seven-game preseason. 82 game regular season and then 16 game sweep in the playoffs for the cup. Uh, so far, seven for seven, uh, kind of nailing it. Uh, as far as preseason, you know, I, I touched on these in all my episodes. So I'll probably end up repeating myself a lot on this one, but uh, we get a bit more uh, listeners on this than I get viewers. I'm pretty sure. So definitely have some fresh ears for that. If you don't uh, know what Jake's talking about, by the way, go subscribe to the YouTube channel. The link is over there. Make sure you subscribe every day, every morning. Jake's posting all the good stuff, so make sure you check it out. Yeah, just reactions to what's going on in Devil's World, and now I've been doing it all off-season every day, just uh, eclipsed episode 100 of 100 straight days of doing an episode, and then now that we're actually heading into the regular season, uh, actually interesting stuff to talk about. But, anywho, uh, preseason stuff was... I said it, uh, we did not play very many good teams. I mean, what, the Flyers twice, Montreal. Uh, we did get a fairly put-together Rangers lineup, but then we played Jonathan Quick, so that basically made it an AHL team. Uh, and then we got essentially the Islanders 
majority starters twice. Yeah, that last uh, game, it was I, like everyone but Palmieri, I think. Yeah, so I think the first game was much more competitive. I mean, they scored the first two goals, and then we had the crazy comeback. I think that was actually probably our closest NHL-equivalent game of the preseason was the first Islanders one. And um, I said this uh, when reacting to the embarrassing final showing that they had when they got booed off their home ice. They basically played a full veteran lineup, and I, I've given every veteran a slack on our team, so I'm not going to go ahead and lay into another team's veterans. They're usually coasting, you know, maybe they're playing 70-80% capacity for the most part. Uh, they still probably should have beaten our guys, but all of our guys were going full tilt, right? I mean, those we were playing all dudes that were fighting for, con like, literally contracts for our, the AHL or guys that were fighting to make the big club. And when you bring that energy difference, uh, I mean, they still had Sorokin, they probably still should have won, but Schmid played really well. And I think if not for how well Schmid played... You know, it probably isn't as embarrassing looking for them as it was, but, you know, it's preseason. They have basically all veterans. I don't put too much stock into that. It's still a little embarrassing when the whole timeline is cooking you. I mean, that's like if we played, I don't know who the Rangers, like, ECHL team is, if that's like we had, like, our top six and they played those guys and we get, they got shut out. They, I mean, the game was competitive, I guess, if you looked up the stats and everything, but, like, 3 nothing. You can't lose. You can't lose yeah. 3 nothing. Yeah, against, against those guys. No disrespect to those guys. They have more skill and like one blade of their skate than I do my entire body. But like, that's that's crazy. Yeah, and like especially when the home fans are booing and in uh, Amanda in preseason. Uh, that when you can't well, take that. Like even if it's preseason, even if it doesn't matter in the standings, you you gotta put on for the fans. I'm sure they were trying, and if they were coming in with the mindset of it's preseason, it doesn't matter. Whatever, we don't care. When it's the second period and you're down three nothing, the fans are booing. They were trying to score a goal. Like oh, there was no. Oh, absolutely. They, even Amanda Stein tweeted out that it looked like the team was getting frustrated. So, it is preseason and ultimately it doesn't matter. They'll bounce back from it. But the I don't even buy the whole like oh they weren't trying that it wasn't doesn't mean anything because like if you watch that game they got a little frustrated and it took over a little bit they were trying and they still like couldn't get it done also if there's any team in the nhl to try in the regular season it's the lou lamorello islanders of any team in the league it's those guys i'll make one clarifying point when i say guys are playing at 70 80 it's not that they're not trying i still think they're absolutely trying but they're yeah. not going full bore uh you know full tilt really i just right. i think a lot of the guys are more so thinking yeah, we're frustrated. We're, we're trying to score, obviously. They had multiple breakaways, uh, multiple two-on-ones uh, where they could have, and Schmidt just shut the door on them. Uh, but, yeah, I they're just not throwing the body like they probably, you know. They did a little bit after the frustration set in, but it was not full tilt from puck drop, basically. Anders no. Lee could not handle himself. Dude, he, he got <laughs> real pissy. <laughs> Yeah, he, he, I mean, two or three times tried to, like, wrap someone up post-whistle. He he was taking it to heart. Well, I don't want to focus too much on how bad the other teams we played were because it's just kind of facts. Uh, but instead, uh, I mean, we can. I mean, those flyer teams, but it's the flyers, <laughs> right? Like, I, I've shat on them basically all preseason. They were terrible. The Rangers were embarrassing. Um, and then Montreal was Montreal, too. Like, but our boys, at least focusing on... The guys that we just found out, what, like two minutes before we started recording, the roster officially dropped. Yep. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
top scorer in the entire NHL in preseason. Um, uh, some unknown dude kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, pretty crazy. I think we're 63. Uh, could, uh, do we have any strong opinions on that unknown phenomenon coming out of preseason? <laughs> I mean, what do you want me to say here? <laughs> no, I mean, uh, Justin Bratt's the best player in the NHL. Leave it at that. Really, all that was going through my head there was the Brat meme, and uh, not the Brat meme, Bart meme uh, in the classroom. Like, say the line, Bart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, the the um, the NHL posted like you know point leaders at the end of preseason, and Jesper Brat was number one. It was just like, well, guys, I I've been trying to tell you the whole time, you know. <laughs> Nobody's listening to him shouting from the rooftops. Yeah, you had big head hockey too. He kept tweeting like pictures of like Jack and Brian's like best young core in the NHL. It's like, what do you? It's like, yeah, dude, of course. Unbeknown. <laughs> known. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, but look. Go ahead. I was gonna say, looking looking at the roster that just came out, um, it's pretty much what everyone kind it's of expected. What, yeah, it's what you would expect. And it's and it's what the Devils kind of poised towards. Um, if you were paying attention to how management was talking about certain players and the moves that were made, I mean, a, a guy like Miller, let's say. Uh, they didn't bring him in just to send him down to the AHL. I, yeah. I famously said that from the jump, uh, that he was never really an option to go down. Um, he was always going to make the team. So I think there's certain things where if you if you could read between the lines even a little bit going into camp, some of these should have been no-brainers. Um, there's one or two that stand out to me, though. Uh, one being Holtz. Um, I thought he was going to make the team the whole time. Again, one of those read-between-the-lines things. I don't really think that it was ever a possibility that they wanted him to start back in the AHL again this season. Um, they spoke about him pretty highly coming out of camp, so I think that's kind of a no-brainer to me, but what do you guys think? I, mean, I was... Uh, yeah, sorry. I was convinced he was locked to making the opening night roster when we didn't bring in an additional winger after Toffoli. Um, we sent one out in the Toffoli trade and brought him in. And then when, you know, I know the Tatar news came out. I don't think we ever spoke about that. I think that came out after our last recording. How we offered him a one-year deal, but he was fairly positive he'd be able to get more than that on the market. And then Which he we brought been, in... It's kind of crazy that he got a yeah. one-year deal. I think Colorado's a great spot for him. Yeah, best of luck to him. But once we didn't bring anyone else in... I was convinced Holtz was making it. The only caveat to that was Holtz is waiver exempt. So if we had brought somebody in, it was pretty easy. Uh, I talk about it a lot, asset management. Typically, ownership groups, management do not like just losing players for nothing when they uh, had the option not to. And nobody very clearly outplayed Holtz in any way. Um, like I was pretty high on how Tice played this preseason. I thought he played very well but not better than Holtz and not not well enough that he would be that middle six guy to replace Holtz in the lineup. Um, kind of touching on that, I thought he maybe gave himself an outside chance of making the fourth line, but considering how stacked we were at options there, uh, it makes sense. He's not also a household name by any means. He was probably the safest of all the names to make it through waivers. Uh, one thing I will say is, I think we said on this podcast from the very jump, when we per basically predicted starting night rosters, we basically nailed this 23 for 23 with one exception. I don't think any person I know had Lazar, Nosek, and Tierney 
all making the technical opening roster. Now, that being said, uh, I'm sure we all agree, once Foot comes off of IR, Tierney is going to get sent down. Yeah, and Hala is also banged up right now, so he might not play Thursday or Friday or one of the two, so I guess they just want like, a contingency plan to like rotate. I believe, I believe officially we got our four IR names with... Um, oh, yeah, and Hala wasn't on there, so oh, it no. seems like... It seems like he should be good to go for opening night. I mean, it doesn't hurt. Also, you brought him in. We all know why Tierney was brought in over the summer. Um, yeah. It's no surprise. I mean, and again, the organization needs center depth in general. Utica's pretty weak down the middle, and there's worse guys to get for Utica. So. Yeah, when surprise. Tierney was given the, the two-way contract, it was pretty clear yeah. where they pictured him going forward. But, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think the organization tends to do very well by their players, and maybe this is a little tinfoil hatty, maybe not. Um, uh, at least for the more veteran guys, not the super young guys that would have to go through waivers, it does seem like the organization wants to do better by them. So Tierney's staying up an extra few days or a week, earning a, that little bit more of a paycheck, or not having to move with him and his family. You know, the younger guys maybe have a girlfriend, uh, but as, I'm pretty sure Tierney has, has a wife and kid. So, uh, you know... Not that, you know, the organization isn't going to keep him up here just because of that, uh, but... I'm sure he's not it, hurting it, for cash, but yeah. Yeah, it's more so just, you know, maybe it's one of those back, you know, back room just, hey, the longest we can keep you up here is going to be this, but... Right, you were here all camp, like, opening night roster, you get introductions to the fans, all that good stuff. We'll do right by you, but, you know, expect this. You're, you know, when foot's back, you're probably gone. Yeah, also just to touch on last thing on holds for me i guess is just because like i think they're, they're just going to give him the longest like leash possible because at this point you kind of have to i have I don't, to i don't want to say what's that i was saying last thing on holds i've planned on rambling about holds here for probably a good okay, 20 okay. minutes okay good so i guess you can just piggyback off what i what i say um i mean yeah you, ha you have to let him yeah you, you gotta let him run I mean, <clears throat> this is the best team we've had in God knows how long. You drafted him for the very reason why we still need him in the top nine is, yeah, we went out and got to Foley, and we have a bunch of snipers in the top six now. He's, <coughs> excuse me, he's still there. Like, if he's not going to do it now, when's it going to happen? He hit sink or swim, he, I think. Yeah, he has nothing left in the AHL for him. No, he has he's, no... too, he's too good for that. Yeah, there, there is no, you know quote-unquote development to be had at that point for him he's either got to sink or swim in the nhl i mean he's going into what is third year now at this level Something like um that. I, yeah i think because uh this will be mercer's third year they're the same year yeah, right yeah you're right okay okay um yeah it is there's just nothing left for him anywhere else he has to sink or swim he has to prove himself or not and he needs to be put in a position to be able to be given a proper evaluation it's the only option. It was kind of always the only option. And I um, I did a Twitter space earlier, I think last week, with uh, Ryan Novozinski. And we kind of talked about this and how management positions themselves. And I kind of like alluded to this a couple minutes ago. But coming into camp, all they said about him was that he looked so improved and he looked so much better. And even last year, Lindy Ruff had said something along the lines of, Oh, you know, we'll see, you know, I don't know. And this year, Lindy Ruff was just like, oh, no, he looks great. Like, he looks better. So they're very uh, media trained with what they say right. and what they let out and that kind of stuff. So something like that, the moment they started talking about him that way, 
you knew he's going to at least get his chance here. Um, they they set it up that way. So I'm looking forward to it. I think he looked good with okay. Heashier and Meyer. Um, I know they had a 58% uh, expected goals for rate while they were on the ice together, which you know, you could argue that maybe it would have been higher if it was Heashier, Meyer, and someone else. Um, but the, the bottom line is he didn't anchor them. He didn't tank that. They still played well together, and he had a few goals. So I think he did enough to warrant you know this trial run of show me what you got let's see if you're ready also he just has to be exactly he also just objectively looks way faster than he did in years past and he also said it himself there was an interview that i think he did on uh, newjerseydevils.com or whatever i forget who did it but he just said that he's like yeah like i just feel like my like his cardiovascular levels are like so much better like he can skate like way longer he's faster he can keep up with these guys now I mean, you kind of have yeah. to with, with the guys we have up front. Like, you can't be a slouch when you're playing with Jack, Nico, Brat. Like, if you're playing right. on the third line with Hala and Palat, like, you can probably get away with that a little bit more. But obviously, we want him. They want him. He wants to play in the top six. So, like, I think he's ready. I mean, as someone who's, like, who lives and dies, like, by the analytics, like, I'll sacrifice, like, <laughs> like 3 4%, like, expected goal <laughs> share if you have someone like him. I mean, he's an underrated playmaker. He's got a good shot. I mean, at this point, too, it's, like, kind of with, with Jesper, like, his, like, his, his like mental health. It's, like, let the, let the kid go. Like, tell him you got confidence in him. Even if you don't fully believe it, like, let him fly. You never know what's going to happen. At this point, you have nothing to lose. A little positive reinforcement will make exactly. his career, huh? <laughs> exactly. Y'all need it once in a while. All right, I've got um, three line setups that I wanted to go over with you guys. So sticking with Holtz. Uh, we all, I'm sure, agree. Jack, Brat, Toffoli are stapled to each other until, until hopefully forever. Until, until they go down 2 nothing in a game and Lindy hates the, the game that Jesper Brat has played, so he sticks him on the third line. And Nosek is with, it was with Hughes. But until then, we got the TBH line going to Foley, Brat, Hughes. So, with that in mind, where are you placing Holtz? Also remember, we just had the Lindy interview where he said the reason for Mercer and Holtz swapping was because of Holla being out. They really like Mercer with Nico for the defensive responsibility. You can read between the lines as much as you want there, but assuming a healthy Holla, if you had to put your name on it, what is your middle six setup? Obviously, Nico Timo, Paula Palat are center left wings. Where where are you putting Holtz? Where are you putting Mercer? I'm good with either. I've kind of said this a lot. Like, obviously not on the podcast, but like in our chats and whatever. Like, the top nine is going to be so fluid. I personally don't care. I think Mercer is better, not better suited, but like for the case of Alex Holtz, like if Mercer's on line three and Holtz gets to play with Nico and Timo, because those guys are two of the four best drivers on the team like let them cook out holds a good open he had some good plays in preseason where he was reading the play a little bit he was on the backside of defender he would like step in front take the open space and he finished a couple he finished a couple of times so, so i kind of like that mercer's game is i wouldn't say better suited but the way palat and Halla play he can fit that style more than holtz can he can grit and grind he's got an unbelievable shot he showed that in the playoffs last year um, 
So yeah, I think Mercer line three holds line two to start, but I've kind of always figured that the top nine wieners are pretty fluid and in any way, shape, and form. So not too bothered either way, but that's the way I would go. I, I would agree with the placements, but I'd be a little more firm with it. Um, I think we're going to see both. I think Holtz is going to get his shot with Heeshire and Meyer, and Mercer's also going to get some time with them. I think we will definitely see both pairings, and they'll see what works and what doesn't, and they'll just you know, prove us wrong no matter what we say. Um, but personally, going into the season at least, the expectation, in my opinion, has to be that Holtz is going to slot in with Heeshire and Meyer, just because... When we talk about putting him in a position to succeed, I, that's got to be it. I don't think Pollat and Halla are really the position for him to succeed. I think you got to throw him up there. And if it really doesn't work out, we can readjust. But I've seen a lot of takes, especially on Twitter, of we don't have room for any passengers. And we can't have a third guy on a line with two like really good play drivers just kind of existing and not also being a stud as well. And... I think that's crazy. Look around the NHL. There are so many lines that have two borderline superstar players and a third guy that's just a guy. Like Patrick it happens, yeah. Right. It, it happens all the time. It's not uncommon. And when you're roster building, you got to spread the wealth, firepower all over the lineup. You're going to end up, you, unless you have 12 skaters that are absolute studs, which zero teams have. I mean, most teams barely have nine serviceable skaters, let's be honest. Um, I'm sorry, forwards here, not skaters. Um, <laughs> yeah. it, it always ends up that there will always be lines on every team that are rather lopsided in terms of two guys that are generally better than a third guy and a third guy's kind of a plug-and-play guy. And if Holtz is going to be just a third-wheel plug-and-play guy, so be it. Fine. But we have to find out if he's that or if he's on the same level as those guys. Let him do it. And I don't think Mercer has that aura about him where we have to see. I think Mercer will do just fine with Halla and Pilat. I just If there's going to be one position that fails, it's Holtz with Halla and Pilat. Because every other combination we've talked about generally I think should work out. You know, Mercer on either one works out. Holtz with Heesher and Meyer works out. Holtz with Halla and Pilat I don't think works out as well. So I think you got to avoid that situation there. I think that's the most important thing. Boring because I mostly agree with all the above. Um, you know, I've talked about it. I think Holtz, Nico, Timo is the best way to go. It should be what we start with. We should give them at probably like a 10-game run unless it looks just somehow absolutely atrocious. Uh, but I'll throw in two just fun little tidbits just for potential talking points or sound bites. Uh, one would be um, Barry Mercer, quote-unquote Barry Mercer on the third line uh, to save us some money on his next contract. Will not put up as many points on that line as he would in the top six. Uh, I mean, it's... regardless, though. Well, yeah. No, I... Yeah, but he has... But if he... If if he played this full season uh, with Nico and Timo, I mean he's he's probably putting up what sixty five six sixty minimum, yeah. probably. Um, so you know now we're talking maybe fifty on the third line if he's like really popping off. So uh, you know tinfoil uh, you know management uh, working under the hood type stuff. We're securely a playoff team, so tank uh, tank a few regular season points for uh, for some better contract structuring. <laughs> Uh, and one of, 
One other thing I'll toss in there is Holtz, I don't think is the end of the world with Palat Hala. I don't think it's as ideal as I, I uh, have repeatedly said. It's not ideal, but it could work, I think. Not ideal, but I don't think it's an absolute disaster by any means. I mean, one of my favorite sound bites out of Hala last year was when he actually was on a line with Jack and Palat. Obviously, Jack and Holtz are not even in the same stratosphere. But the line from Hala was, you just get open, let Palat and I do the digging, and we'll get you the puck. If that's the mindset that Hala and Palat can play with, that we're going to be the puck counts, the two of us, we're going to be in the trenches doing that hard, gritty work, and you just got to find that open ice for us to get you the puck, Holtz can do that. And if it's more in that third-line role, it's not as detrimental for, you know, if he's not the highest-scoring dude in the entire world as opposed to if he's not super popping off in the top six. Right, and also... All that being said... Yeah, all that being said, though, I think he should be with Nico and Timo. I think Mercer will absolutely cook with Palat and Hala. Uh, I'll repeat myself here because, like I said, probably just have more ears here than my other videos. Um, Jack and Brat are likely going to get the harder uh, matchups defensively from the other team when the other team has say in that. And I think um, Hala Palat are going to get the lion's share of D zone starts. Uh, with Nico Timo line kind of being in the middle of that. So the Jack Brat line getting mostly Ozone starts, Holopalot getting mostly D zone starts, Nico Timo line kind of being the in between of those with the fourth line being where you need them just based on, you know, how things roll. I think we'll be a four line rolling team for the most part. We're not going to try and hard match teams just because they're not going to be able to match us doing that. But just when you take zone starts into consideration per line, I think Holtz is better off on that in between as opposed to playing potentially the top defensive matches matchups or the top uh, D zone start. And yeah, it's yes. kind of been my thoughts on it. That's exactly where I was going to go. I mean, if you want to give those three, that being Holtz, Plot, and Hala, if you want to give them like offensive zone starts and then like the, the neutral zone starts, like just outside the opponent's blue line, or if you want to give Plot and Hala D zone starts, you can just put Bastion on their line for a shift if you get hemmed in for a second because... Nate's a more than capable defensive bottom six winger. I think he's well overqualified fourth line, uh, fourth line right wing. One of the like, statistics say he's one of the best defensive forwards in the league. He just is. I don't know what he does, but he just does it. Um, but yeah, no, I kind of agree with everything you kind of said there, pretty much. Unless you guys had a last point there, I think Andrew deserves an award as uh, best host for setting up the transitions. As the next line I wanted to talk about, was that fourth line, which I would assume, uh, again, I've talked about this a lot, if Bastion's conditioning is up to snuff, he just started skating last month, well, I guess technically a month and a half ago now, uh, recovering from his injury. But if you assume the fourth line of McLeod Bastion, who's your fourth line left winger while Foot is still out? I, mean, I think no there's sick. two clear names. I mean, it's just no sick, isn't it? Or is it Lazar? Is it? I hope it's not Lazar. <laughs> what do you think, BP? Um, I think there's going to be a lot of turnover uh, on that line. I think it's really going to be the kind of attitude they took last year with goalies where it's like, it's no one's slot. We're just riding the hot hand. Whoever's playing well at the time gets it. I think we're going to see a lot of that between Lazar, Nosek, I mean, Tierney while he's around. Uh, I don't think there's going to be any one guy particularly that's designated to the press box. Uh, unless someone is really riding a hot streak. Um, they're going to share time. Whoever's playing well is going to get it. 
Um, whoever's just doing the job on that fourth line the best is going to get it. I think McLeod and Bastion are probably the two locks, and it's kind of going to be a revolving door of who needs rest and who's playing well from there. I know it's kind of a cop-out, but... I think Nilsa's going to take it just because of the PK duties. Because his, really? his, so, his PK stats are really good. Maybe you can pull the numbers, because maybe I completely mix this up, but uh, I was actually going to say uh, the exact opposite for the exact same reason. <laughs> Were you really? No, I yeah, think his, so, like using Jfresh's uh, metrics, I'll pull it up. On can the you look at? I think we might have lost BP, but I'm still here. I just uh, got something stuck in my teeth and figured that people don't need to see that. I wanted to, but <laughs> so if Bastion is not ready to go, uh, obviously it's going to be Lazar Nosek with Mikey. Mm. Uh, but I, you know, once Bastion, hopefully opening night. But assuming Bastion's ready to go, my take is it's going to be Lazar. I think he had a better preseason than Nosek. And I think he was more utilized on the PK than Nosek was. That's fair. I mean, I take your word for it. To be honest with you, I didn't watch too much of the preseason or pay too close of attention. I also just tried to pull up the. I also Every just. Game. I also just tried to pull up the the J first charts on my other monitor, but it just messed up the record, <laughs> messed up the screen recording. So I had to, I had to get rid of it. But I think his like PK war was like north of eighty, which is really good. And I think the PK might be a bit of a sore spot this year with Graves and Sharon Govich leaving. Um, but with you guys see Jesper Brack get some PK time this preseason? I have been pounding the table for that to happen for so long because he did that happened in rookie year. He did in his that... rookie year, and he was unbelievable. Yeah, there. Uh, I, I this is one thing that I've really, really liked about Lindy Ruff in his time here is that he's stressed the idea that being shorthanded doesn't mean you have to sacrifice all your offense, that you can catch a team off guard, you know, when they're in the offensive zone for a long time, you can grab the puck and just shoot. When I say shoot, I mean, like, skate really fast, shoot. But, like, shoot yourself down the ice and try to take advantage of a vulnerable spot they're in. So if Jesper Brackett's uh, penalty kill time, and the, the goal is not just to kill the penalty, but try to generate some offense while he's doing it, I am all in. I, I would love that. Even if it's like, you're ready. even if, sorry, just to tie bow on that, even if you're down like oh. one nothing late in a game or whatever and you need a goal, Nico, Nico Brat, go, go yeah. do it. Absolutely. Uh, so I'm going to throw in a few tidbits here. I'm going to finish up what we were just talking about. So I pulled it up on Natural Stat Trick. Um, I am not very good at this website, so hopefully I did this somewhat right. Um, Curtis Lazar and Tom, Tomas Nosek had a six second difference and PK time killing. They both played basically five minutes each. Uh, they both played almost five minutes together, and then they each played almost five minutes separately on the PK. Uh, so they both had... And the, the stats were basically indistinguishable for the most part. Um, Nosek was, uh, had a lot more chances against, but also had more chances for, where Lazar kind of had not basically nothing for, but had a lot less against. But when you percentage it out, it was fairly fairly close. So, yeah, uh, looks like they were both teeing him up to be able to play that role. So we'll see. I still think Lazar on the whole had the better preseason. But, um, yeah, it, at this point, it's whatever. It can be either or because Tierney's going to get sent down and then there'll be two, our two healthy scratches when Foot's back. Listen, it's not Miles Woods, so it's fine with me. And then I will say with Brad <laughs> being on the PK, I think with stuff like that, we're going to see... 
we're that's when we're going to see Holt get some time with Jack. Sure, for a shifted shifted two after big PK. Came right out. after a PK, right. if that's one of the last guys out there, or just took a shift and comes off. When they go full tilt again, Holtz is not going to be PKing at all, so he'll be fully fresh. Nico is probably PKing a bit still, so you know probably going to give him a moment to rest before they throw Timo out there. Or maybe you see a, a Jack Holtz Timo line fresh off of a PK and just come barreling through the zone. But that's you kind of get those fun little line mix-ups after PK. Right. And I think that's when you might see that's a you know Holtz get chance. Yeah, Holtz get some chances with other guys to just see how it goes there. Yeah. All right. Um, on to my final line topic. Defense. That's where I was going to go. I yeah. think we all had Luke on the second pair, and I think we all now have Ball in that spot. Yeah? Yeah, yeah Kevin Ball looks yeah. like a monster. He's a yeah, no, Ball. ball. Insane. So we got uh, Dougie Siegs, obviously, Ball Marino, top four. Uh, Luke. And then the next two are Miller Smith. Two things. Who do you prefer? Miller Who do you think Smith. starts? For Miller, Smith's going to start. Uh, I, to be honest, haven't seen enough of Miller to to really give an educated opinion on him. Um, I think I made that pretty clear so far. Um, Appreciate the honesty. <laughs> but but um, I think just going off preseason and training camp, it looks like they're leaning heavy on Smith. Miller had a rough preseason, um, and... You know, I am really just looking at a preseason isolated without a whole body of work of his career to this point, and I understand that. So that'll obviously play a big, um, you know, factor in how we move forward. But as of right now, of t- as of today, with the last week and a half of play, Miller has looked brutal. He's just looked awful for the most part, in my opinion. And um, Smith is not the best defenseman in the world he takes a lot of stupid penalties but i mean we're arguing over a 6d 7d here every team again i think this is something that devils fans think is unique to us and it's really not you can go to any team in the league and they're arguing 6d 7d and treating them like they're echl players that don't belong in the league whatsoever so i don't think that's really a super unique problem i think smith as far as 60 goes is fine and it looks like they're going to roll with him at, at least again until he proves otherwise i mean Brent smith's more, more than capable 6d but the thing is and you can't really ignore it because it's so prevalent are the penalties and right. like going back to the ranger series like after we went down to nothing jack and lindy were like guys like what the hell are we doing with all these penalties we're shooting ourselves in the foot so Brent smith might just end up playing himself out of the role like if oh like, he can yeah if, if we're up like say I don't know opening night God forbid like we're up like two nothing or whatever Brendan Smith takes like a he like he pulls like a Steve Bernier trigger warning sorry he just kills someone in the corner and then takes a major penalty and then the Wings score two or three goals get back in the game and then we lose it's like that's why you're not playing and and to yeah. to give Miller a little bit of like to give him some leeway it's like it's well known that the system the Devils play is not normal. Comparing what we run here to what he ran with Pete DeBoer down in Dallas, it's probably two, I'm no expert, they're probably on the opposite sides of the spectrum in terms of defensive structure. So, I mean, he'll play his way in eventually because I think he's just better all around, but I'm not really going to lose sleep over it now. Brennan Smith's probably going to start. Do I like it? No. Do I care? Not really. Probably, probably not. <laughs> not really. 
Yeah, so uh, over their careers, I think Miller has been clearly the better player compared to Brendan Smith. Uh, Smith, though, is definitely a loved locker room guy. He's also a great interview. Uh, he also knows the system. Uh, as Andrew here was saying, uh, we know our system is insanely unique. Uh, from what players have said, even basically across the other 31 NHL teams, AHL squad, a lot of these guys know a handful, you know, what, five, six different systems that just have slight variances amongst them. And ours is basically nothing like that, especially for defensemen. Uh, it's, they have, it's like one of the most unique defensive systems in hockey, uh, as far as we understand it. Uh, so, going by the preseason, Luke with Miller and Luke with Smith both both were br very brutal. <laughs> he needs to play with um, Marino. I've been saying that forever too. Him with Marino just makes way too much sense. But I don't think he's going to get that just yet because of how well Ball played and Ball deserves to play there because he played yeah, outstanding. Ball Ball forced Luke out of that spot. Yeah, and like, that's a great problem to have. Do I want Luke to play top four? Absolutely. If we win more games with Ball in the second pair, am I going to care? No. So uh, a, a little bit, just real quick, BP. So Luke. No Luke played over twice as many minutes with Miller in the preseason as opposed to Smith. Uh, and you can look at that two ways. Uh, this is what they thought might be the bottom pairing for a bit, and they were giving it a real run. But I think most of the Smith-Luke minutes came towards the end as well. Luke also got some time with Nemec. Uh, obviously, that is not our bottom pair. I'm actually going to go out on a limb and say I prefer Miller, and I think he ends up with the start. He's going to get another full week of practice from the last preseason game heading into the regular season. They're going to want him out there, and the best way to learn the system is just on ice hockey and playing it. And even with uh, within those minutes, um, I mean, Smith might have individually looked better than Miller at points, but on ice impacts, Luke Miller was infinitely better. Still bad. Just want, just want that to be clear. Luke Miller was still bad. But compared to Luke Smith, it was a lot better. And then in the whole entire two minutes that Luke and Marino really got to play together, uh, they had a 100% Corsi, 100% goals for, 100% everything. They cooked, uh, but it was only for like two minutes of actual ice. But in those two minutes, they had five chances, which was more than Luke and Smith had in 14 minutes. So yeah, Luke and Marino last year in the playoffs, I had this written down like a while ago. It was like they played like 21 minutes or whatever together, I think in game five against Carolina. And they had yeah. like an expected goals for for like, it was like like 65 plus or something like that. Like that's the pairing that's going to work. It, it'll happen eventually to start the season. Luke's play doesn't warrant him top four minutes yet. I'm sure he'll play his way in there. Like the talent, yeah, he'll, he's too good to not force his way there yeah. eventually. But for now it's ball Marino. I mean, that's really good. He'll be there at some exactly. point, but... Well, I, I will say there's also kind of a disconnect when it comes to line or pairing numbers with playtime versus um, just chemistry and play style yeah. because Ball's play put him into what we would consider a top four position, you know, move him up the depth chart. But if we are looking at play style and chemistry and stuff... You know, Luke Marino and keeping ball on the third pair maybe does make more sense. And I think that's kind of where we look at numbers in pairings and, and depth charts and stuff that maybe coaches don't quite as much, where they may still put ball on the third pair, not because he didn't play well and he's getting demoted to the third pair, but because he works better with whoever's on the third pair and Luke works better with whoever's on the second pair. So 
I wouldn't be surprised to see a little bit of a, a fluctuation in those those pair numbers simply because I don't think they adhere quite as closely to a depth chart as much as just these guys work well together. This is who we're putting on the ice together. Right. That and makes sense. Just to touch on this before I lose my train of thought, it's kind of the same thing with our top nine, how it's really fluid. I think that Ball and like you, this is exactly what you're referring to. It's like Ball and Luke are probably going to play similar minutes, maybe like one or two minutes different. Like, like with right. Brian, Brian on the PK, like if we're down late in the game, throw Luke out there with Marino instead of Ball because obviously he has way more offensive talent than Ball does. It's like, okay, five minutes yeah. up in the game, you're down one, you need to go push a little bit more. Who better than Luke? He's literally a forward. Just throw him out there, he'll make something right. happen. So, yeah, exactly. So he'll, he'll get his chances, but to start, I think that's fine. Yeah, I... Uh... It's the same, I, uh, same uh, argument we have, sorry. It's the same, I'll keep it quick. I'll, one sentence, I'll be done in a moment. No, I'm kidding. Um, it's the same argument we have with our top two lines of, uh, you know, which is our first line, which is our second line. And the answer is neither one of them is a one or a two. It's just which guys work well together, that two plays together. Yep. Um, sorry, continue. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, depth chart, I don't think, is the fans focus on that way more than coaches or players do. Uh, I actually... So I agree. I think Luke will f earn his way into the quote-unquote top four. But I'll be honest, I would not be surprised if we don't see the lines depth chart-wise actually shake out that way. I think management and Lindy, the coaching staff, are actually over the goddamn hill with how well Ball has played because they are just going to straight up look at him as a Graves switch out. Which I and with the, way they, yeah. Go ahead. with the way they used Graves Marino last year, and then with Sivo as the completely outplays third-line competition, offensive guy on a bottom line, they're going to look at Luke to do that. And then you keep him with Miller, and it's just they're going to basically run it back how he did last year, just plug-and-play with Ball and Luke as compared to Graves and Sivo. And Luke should be better offensively than Severson, but I'll, I'll be honest, I don't know if he's going to be better right out the gate with I, stretch passes from Sivo were so underrated by this entire fan base last year. I Every highlight package you look up, it's like, oh, that was another pass from Sivo. Oh, hey, that was another no, pass from Sivo. Completely, we keep completely was, ignored. Yeah, and so I, Luke has an amazing stretch pass as well. So we'll see exactly how he uh, fills that spot. But if Ball plays how he played in the preseason, it's we have an abundance of riches across this lineup, and it's just scary. I think he's already made... Graves replacement because he will take his spot over on the PK, which kind of helps ease my nerves a little bit because Graves was underratedly good on the PK. Um, also, he won't shoot the puck into shin pads quite as much as Graves would. That drove me up, <laughs> drove me up a wall. Um, but yeah, as far as like you said, mentioned like the overqualified uh, third pair, I kind of from the jump I was like, oh, Kyle Miller is the defensive version of Damon Severson that we had last year, except. That, like you said, that might just be Luke, and you might just have a really overqualified third line, or third pairing, rather, sorry, but there's no problem with that. Like, that's that's how you win cups, and you win games, and you go really far into the playoffs. Just if I want to give Matt a fun little, a fun little soundbite, uh, our third line is going to be better than the Stars' top line when Miller was still with them, because Luke is better than Heiskanen, and Miller played with Heiskanen as their top line. And that's gonna be our third pairing. Yeah, that was I never when we got him, that was that was surprising to find that out. I didn't know that happened. But yeah, he good. plays he's, he's, he's a lot. He's used to playing he'll be used to playing with guys who are roving roaming up and down the ice, which is good. Mm -hmm. The systems are different, so 
for the for the sake of clips and memes, I really enjoy how you use the word line instead of pairing when saying that. So uh, when they isolate it out on its own and you say the devil's third line is better than the star's first line. Mm -hmm. Oh man, Palat, Hala, and, and Mercer are better than was like, no. Robo and <laughs> Hintz and Pavelski. <laughs> I was like, no. Rob can't even skate. Yeah. Pavelski's yeah, yeah. over the hill. Bro, that's... I'm glad you brought that up. We never touched on that on the podcast. Speak, we have our own version of Jason Robertson. We have Lenny over in Finland making JP. No, we, can't, we can't bring that up without JP. Yeah, we gotta, we, we gotta hold off. We'll we gotta hold off now, but we will Next time he's off, we'll make sure we... Uh, we let him say his piece. Was there anything else? I know we're saving um, opening night, uh, our first two games for the next episode. Yeah, we'll have we're gonna We're going to actually, actually talk on ice matchups and all that good stuff finally. But was there anything from camp preseason or anything around the NHL even that we really just wanted to touch on real quick before we wrap up? Just because. Um, go ahead. Yeah, go for it. No, go for it. I was just going to say, because we brought it up so many times on Twitter and on this podcast a couple of times, um, today, kind of out of nowhere, Hellebuck and Shifley up in Winnipeg re-signed seven-year, $8.5 million contracts each. Um, so, obviously, Hellebuck will not be coming to New Jersey. Looking at the contracts, yep, would, thanks. You, would, would you have done that? No. 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 no I think you would have every single Devils fan telling you the same thing. Um, if it was a pure rental, I would have absolutely done it, like, no questions asked, but seven years, $8.5 million per, that's, like, the goaltending version of the Andre Palat contract, albeit skills way better, but it could be an anchor very quickly. Like, four years ago, I would have given Helly that. Yeah. Like, four, four years ago? Feels about right. I, I would have done that. Not now. Not now at all. I also just don't uh, it from a Winnipeg perspective, though. Like, guys don't want to yeah. play there, and, like, you, like, okay, age curves aside, like, just pull into the current back. It's like, good for them. Like, they kept their two two of the best players for seven years. Their ownership group, I think, also is having some financial difficulties and really needs to keep butts in seats and needs as many even first-round playoff exits. Any extra playoff game is good right. for them. So, uh, and with Hellebuck, at least for the next couple of years, I would say, you make the playoffs, he's, especially in the in the West, he's someone that can carry you far, basically on his own. The Central's not that good, outside of... Yeah, so, for them and the players, I don't hate it at all. I mean, Hellebuck gets his money, Winnipeg stays, you know, middle of the pack relevant for at least another handful of years. And, uh, yeah, no chance any Devils fan is giving that contract to Hellebuck. No, I think we all agreed that in in the perfect scenario that Hellebuck does join the Devils, it would have to be under the circumstance that he doesn't actually get paid what he's worth. Uh, so I knew, I think we all knew it was a pipe dream for that reason alone. Um, good for Winnipeg. Uh, it reminds me a lot of uh, an NFL comparison. For so many years, uh, Matthew Stafford was like the highest paid quarterback in the league. And everyone always wondered, like, why isn't it Tom Brady? Why isn't it Peyton Manning, you know, at the time? And it was always just because that's how much they had to pay Matthew Stafford to play for the Detroit Lions <laughs> at the time. And I, it's 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 100% true. No, that's funny. He always got the biggest contract in the league because that's how much it costed for them to keep him. And and that's just what is happening here. That's how much it costs to keep a, a player of that level in Winnipeg. It's true. It just is. Um, 
So, no, I would not have paid it here. I'm glad that we didn't. Sucks that it didn't work out um, in a perfect, perfect world. However, um, this is the perfect time now to start the conspiracy theory of they're going to give us seven years of Hellebuck with 50% retention at the trade <laughs> deadline. Right, right, right. We're not I'll giving be honest. I'll be honest. I, w- I wouldn't do that either, probably. Well, at 50%? At 4.25 for seven years, though? I You'd take that. Probably. No, I probably yeah. take that. Yeah, I, I was going to say, you want to cop I probably, at least. I would do it. Yeah. yeah, you're right. I would do it. You'd I likely would. get four years of prime elite goaltending and a three-year drop-off that that's just how sports contracts work. Everyone knows that when you sign a long contract, you're essentially paying double for the first half. But it's going to be really hard for me to give another goalie that when Vanacek and Schmid go 41-0 and each in the regular season (laughs) and then 8-0 and each in the playoffs. Like, Oh, they're going to split time in the playoffs when going undefeated? Yeah, why not? You have D-Tech in Game 4 and Stanley Cup Finals. Like, that's the last card one. And and at the intermission uh, uh, commercial break in the second period, they actually switch them out. Mm. (laughs) 30 minutes a game each. Yep, yeah. Yeah, no, gotta keep them fresh. <laughs> Sounds good. For a lever. For around the NHL, I don't think I had anything else too crazy. I'll take a moment here to make fun of Canucks fans, as is my favorite thing in the entire world to do. You're going to lose Pedersen. Um, good for him. I love him as a player. Nico's still better. But, yeah, uh, you know, no one wants to be in Vancouver. Uh, and you guys deserve pain. So, yeah, sounds good to me. Yeah, that was a pretty damning quote from him. <laughs> doesn't look good. Yeah. Uh, I think the only other thing that we didn't talk too much about, unless I'm just forgetting if we let off with it, uh, was Nemich. But I, I think we're mm. all on the same page there. Um, I, I think it's pretty straightforward. Uh, there's really no two ways about it. Uh, we have so much going on for us that we really just don't have any sense of urgency in adding him to the roster. We don't need the help at this point. And if he's not completely and totally ready and we can afford to let him, you know, cook for one more season in the AHL, then we're going to choose that option right now. And I don't think any of us would be surprised to see him get called up at points no, during the season. Um, I, I mean, I, is there any disagreement to be had there? No, I think he played well. I think he personally he played well enough to probably make it. But like, there's there's no need for him to be up here. Like, it's like, just, it's just not necessary. It, if you can let it slide another year, do it. Yeah, yeah. talked about this as well. Uh, good call. We definitely needed to touch on this topic. Uh, so Sound good. Cool. Good on bringing it up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Nemec, uh played very well. I, I think there's even arguments that on the whole he played better than Luke in the preseason. Okay. Uh, I would also say that, you know, being waiver exempt and the option of being able to slide his contract is just way too valuable to burn him on a third line here. All of Lindy's quotes made this very obvious that this was always happening. Uh, I mean, just outside of just the asset management, which is my favorite two words, uh, Lindy's quotes made this super apparent that he was being sent down. And uh, that was one of the things I wanted to say on this. Oh, uh, I mentioned this in one of my episodes. Probably 30, 29 other NHL teams, he'd be making their opening night roster. Oh, easy. Yeah. Easy. If if not 31 other, I, I, I'm trying to think. Probably not Vegas, right? Probably not Vegas, not us, and uh, Carolina. No, he'd probably make it on Carolina. I think they're playing Jalen Chatfield. 
Uh, he's so, good. Yeah, he's so, good, but yeah, Mamish even makes it probably over him. So like, yeah, it's just we have an embarrassment of riches. Our contract situation also allows us to do this, and so yeah. He played very well. Uh, I mean, seriously, fantastic. Just the fact that we have him waiting in the wings is insane. Yep, Tom's big yeah. on roster flexibility and, like, sliding contracts around, so that's just going to give us more money to play with. When he should have gotten paid, he'll be making 925, and it'll give us more money to go out and get someone at the trade deadline. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I like how you touched on Lindy Ruff's quotes, because much like I said about Holtz, where if you read between the lines, you saw that he was making it from a mile away. Same thing, you could tell that Nemich was probably getting sent back to the AHL two weeks ago if you paid attention to the quotes. They're very deliberate in what they do. Um, they're very, you know, they, they do pinpoint their little read-between-the-lines moments. And when, I don't remember if it was Lindy Ruff or Tom Fitzgerald, but one of them said, before preseason even started, said something to the effect of, well, unless he really puts on a show here, we can afford to send him back to the AHL if needed, so we're not really worried about it. And that quote right there told me, without a doubt, the plan was AHL, unless they really, really, like, are forced to keep him up, and that would have taken, like, superstar-level performances. So I, I think it was always the plan, and I don't think anyone should be surprised with it. Right, unlike Colts, there probably is another level that he can go in the AHL. Like, go be the best defenseman in the AHL. Yeah. He has the skill to do it. I mean, the team yeah. might not be that good this year, so that might be a bit of a hindrance, but he was good last year. He could be great this year. Uh, I don't think I have anything else nope. from this end. No, I think we touched about just about everything. So, yeah, just for the rest of the week um this will be coming out to you obviously today you'll see into it on tuesday um we're gonna group back up on wednesday and uh record and cover opening night which will be are fun. you gentlemen gonna be at opening night i actually did get a ticket today from friend of the show co-host dan uh he's got an extra seat oh you did it did we bully you bully no, you into, made, into getting it i made my own big boy decision no, um, we bullied. We bullied it was, this man. It was, a little bit of, it was a little bit of bullying, but I was cutting the grass today, <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I should probably go, should probably go to the game. It, it would be a good time, so I will be there. Um, don't no, know I, uh, there. I live like over an hour and a half away, and a six-month and 18-month-old in the house, and so yeah. going to watch from home uh, with the family. Awesome. Yeah. My answer is like directly in between the both of you. I'm planning on going, but have not figured out anything beyond that sentence. Yeah, that was, uh, that was me until Dan was like, yeah, I've actually taken I was like, no, sure. Yeah, I, um, I don't know. This season's going to be real, real tough for me um, because the team is good again and tickets are getting more expensive again. And over the past few years, I've had my uh, different avenues of finessing ways to get in the building that... Uh, I'm not sure are totally going to work the whole year this year. So um, we're going to see. It's going to be interesting, but I'll, I'll try to find my way into the building. You know, for opening every night. season, when we when we got Nico, I was like, man, tickets are going to go up. When we got Jack and PK, I was like, man, tickets are going to really go up. Those yeah. were kind of expensive opening night. Yeah, that was no, expensive so opening what night. What I'm getting at is every single one of these times, opening night, crazy runs, hot starts, whatever – Every time, uh, how I've always bought tickets for like two decades now is morning of or night before. Yeah. On resale, buy tickets much cheaper. 
And every year, whenever any of these crazy draft picks or trades or whatever were happening, I was like, man, it's just going to get crazier and more difficult or impossible. It never happened. This might be the start of the first year where that actually comes to fruition, where yeah, it actually so, will start so being more difficult. Building up, like, big time, like, in the middle of the winter. Yeah. It was, like, a Wednesday night. We were playing, like, I don't know, like, St. Louis, yeah. whatever. It's, like, crowd was, like, 85 90% filled. So, yeah. The fans yeah. Are back. So, we'll We'll see how that keeps going, but yeah, I live, I live ridiculously far. So like, by the time a game ends and I get home from that, I, I don't get home till like midnight sometimes, just from traffic in Newark and all that. Mm-hmm. And I'm too old for that now. So yeah, catch me on like a weekend matinee. I'll probably make, I'll make one, one or two of those this year or something. Awesome. Look forward to it. Love seeing your beautiful faces, gentlemen. It's good to be back, folks. Uh, we'll be back. We'll be back on Thursday with another episode. Thanks for staying with us, guys. Just make this the thumbnail. Just for us, the best player in the NHL.